Greetings to those who watch below. Today we are taking a look at some more truly strange and horrifying cryptids and creatures from legend. But before we start, I'd like to say thank you to Steffi Ray, Wicked Witch, Lisa Watts, Lefty Kim, M.A. Way, Julie B, Jess Black Curtain, Christina Groves, and Matthew Colgan for being those who dwell below. An exclusive channel membership you can find out more about by clicking the link in the description box. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the channel, hitting that notification bell. You can also find me on Instagram at brimstone underscore below, and by searching brimstone below on Facebook. Also, if there's a video you really, really like, you can now leave a super thanks on it, which will also help support the channel. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. The Beast of Brassknocker Hill the Beast of Brassknocker Hill is a mysterious beast from Brassknocker Hill near the city of Bath in England. It was described by an eyewitness as being a bear-like beast with huge teeth and white rings around its eyes. In July of 1979, Ron and Betty Harper discovered that the bark had been ripped off their old oak tree by an animal with teeth at least 20 times larger than the squirrels that usually inhabit the region. They also noticed that the area which was usually alive with birds and small wildlife had become mysteriously barren. By August 1st of that year, over 50 trees had been stripped of their branches in the area. The creature allegedly responsible for the tree mangling and the sudden decline in the local fauna was finally seen by an eyewitness late that month. While some assumed that the culprit was just another alien big cat, according to the account, a man, who preferred to remain anonymous, was driving along a desolate stretch of road through Moncton Coombe that night, when he encountered a bear-like creature, which was approximately four feet in length and bore two striking circular white rings around its eyes. The man presumably left the scene post-haste. In September of 1979, the West Holland newspaper Het Binnenhof published a story about the bizarre beast with a translated headline, Beast of Bath Destroys British Wood. The story reported that a creature was allegedly at large in Brassknocker Hill, terrorising the local populace and devouring the trees in the forest with its Dracula-like teeth. During the next year, additional eyewitnesses came forward and described the still unclassified animal as everything from a gibbon to a lemur to a baboon. 81-year-old Brassknocker Hill resident Frank Green became so concerned he began a shotgun vigil. I'm very fond of some animals, but I reckon this creature could be dangerous, and I'm taking no chances. The following summer, a police officer, Inspector Michael Price, claimed to have caught a glimpse of an animal, which he identified as a chimpanzee. Sadly, he was unable to capture the beast. Although Price was unable to explain how the descriptions of this unusual creature, including the strange eye markings, lumbering bear-like body, and unusually large predatory teeth, were unlike anything that he saw before. We're sure that this mystery creature could turn out to be a monkey of some sort. After all, men from Mars aren't hairy, are they? The dig about this entity and its supposed otherworldly origins notwithstanding, the beast in question has yet to be identified. The Fishman of Leogan 
The Fishman of Leogan is a legendary cryptid from the mythology of Cantabria. The Fishman of Leogan is an amphibian human-looking being that looked like a metamorphosis of a real human being who was lost at sea. His story was first told by the Enlightenment writer Benito Geronimo Fejo. According to Fejo, legend has it that around 1650 there lived in Leogan, a small village in Cantabria, northern Spain, a couple called Francisco de la Vega and Maria del Casar. The couple had four sons, and when the father died, the mother, lacking means, decided to send one of her sons to Bilbao so that he could make his living as a carpenter. This son, which according to Fehu was called Francisco de la Vega Casar, lived in Bilbao as a carpenter until 1674, when on St. John's Day Eve, he went with some friends to swim in Bilbao's estuary. Although he was allegedly a good swimmer, the currents of the river took him and he could not get to the shore. He was last seen swimming away into the sea and was thought to have drowned and died. However, five years later, in 1679, while some fishers were seafaring in the Bay of Cadiz in southern Spain, they found that a strange-looking creature had become entangled in their nets and was trying to fight his way out. Although they tried to capture it, the creature was able to set itself free. During the following weeks, several fishers reported having seen the creature, till in the end they were able to capture it by tricking it with loaves of bread. When they got the creature on board, they found out that the creature had indeed a human shape. He looked like a young man, with white skin and thin red hair. However, he also showed fish-like signs, such as a strip of scales that went down from his throat to his stomach, another strip that covered his spine, and what seemingly were gills around his neck. Thinking that it was some kind of monster, the fisherman took the creature to the convent of St. Francis nearby, where the creature was allegedly exercised and then interrogated in several languages without any success. After several days of questioning, the creature finally articulated a word, Leogan, whose meaning nobody knew. This event soon spread all around the area of Cadiz Bay, and nobody was able to recognise the meaning of Leogan until a sailor from northern Spain, who happened to be in the port at the time, commented that close to his hometown there was a small village called Leogan. Domingo de la Cantola, secretary of the Holy Office, confirmed that there was a place called Leogan near the city of Santander, from which he himself came. The Bishop of Cadiz thus sent word to Santander regarding the found creature, including a physical description, so that anybody somehow related to the creature could recognise it. From Leogan came the word that no creature had ever been seen around the town, and that the only extraordinary event that had happened lately was the tragic death of Francisco de la Vega in Bilbao five years ago, who was indeed red-haired. A friar in the convent where the creature was being kept thought that the fishman could actually be Francisco de la Vega, so he asked and got permission to take him to Leogan. Allegedly, when they were close to Leogan, the friar let the fishman walk free and followed him while the creature was able to guide him directly to the town. And not only that, he took him directly to the house of Maria del Casar, who recognised him as her late son Francisco, 
The fishman was then left to live with his family, though he kept a tranquil yet odd lifestyle. He would always walk barefoot, and unless he was given clothes, he would rather walk around in the nude. He never really talked, at most he would sometimes mutter words such as tobacco, bread or wine, but without any link to the desire of smoking, eating or drinking. When he ate, he did so avidly, but then he was not able to eat for a week at a time. He was easygoing and even obliging, and whatever simple task he was asked to do, he would do it promptly, but without enthusiasm. After nine years living in such a fashion, he went to the sea to swim, and was never seen again. The Lambton Worm The Lambton Worm is a legend from northeast England. The story takes place around the River Weir, and is one of the area's most famous pieces of folklore, having been adapted from written and oral tradition into pantomime and song formats. The story states that the young John Lambton was a rebellious character who missed his duties to go fishing in the River Weir. John does not catch anything until the time the church service finishes, at which he fishes out a small eel or lamprey-like creature with nine holes on each side of its salamander-like head. Depending on the version of the story, the worm is no bigger than a thumb, or about three feet long. In some renditions it has legs, while in others it is said to more closely resemble a snake. At this point, the old man returns, although in some versions it is a different character. John declares that he has caught a demon, and decides to dispose of his catch by discarding it down a nearby well. The old man then warns John about the nature of the beast. John forgets about the creature and eventually grows up. As penance for his rebellious early years, he joins the Crusades. Eventually, the worm grows extremely large, and the well becomes poisonous. The villagers start to notice livestock going missing, and discover that the fully grown worm has emerged from the well and coiled itself around a local hill. In some versions of the story, the hill is Penshaw Hill, that on which the Penshaw Monument now stands. But locally, the credit goes to the nearby Worm Hill in Fatfield. In most versions of the story, the worm is large enough to wrap itself around the hill seven times. It is said that one can still see the marks of the worm on Worm Hill. The worm terrorises the nearby villages, eating sheep, preventing cows from producing milk, and snatching away small children. It then heads towards Lambton Castle, where the Lord, John Lambton's father, manages to sedate the creature in what becomes a daily ritual of offering the worm milk of nine good cows. A number of brave villagers try to kill the beast, but are quickly dispatched. When a chunk is cut off the worm, it simply reattaches the missing piece. Visiting knights also try to assault the beast, but none survive. When annoyed, the worm would uproot trees by coiling its tail around them. It then created devastation by waving around the uprooted trees like a club. There is also the Lambton Curse. The curse is said to affect nine generations of the Lamptons, leading to early deaths. The curse seems to have held true for at least three generations, possibly helping to contribute to the popularity of the story. The first generation, Robert Lambton, drowned at Newrig. The second, Sir William Lambton, a colonel, was killed at Marston Moor during battle. 
The third, who was also a William Lambton, died in battle at Wakefield, and the ninth generation Henry Lambton died in his carriage crossing Lambton Bridge on June 26, 1761. Melonheads Melonheads is the name given to the legendary beings that live in the forests of Michigan, Connecticut and Ohio. Different variations of the legend attribute different origins. The creatures are said to appear remotely human with bulbous, melon-like heads. In Ohio, the melon heads were originally abandoned children that a scientist by the name of Dr. Crow decided to take care of at his facility in Kirtland, Ohio. While the children stayed at the facility, Dr. Crow performed torturous experiments on them. What got them the name Melonheads was when Dr. Crow injected chemicals into their brains, which caused their craniums to grotesquely grow. Because of the abnormal growth, they developed hydrocephalus, which caused them to become mentally ill. After years of abuse, the Melonheads brutally killed Dr. Crow and burned down his facility. After the murder of mad scientist Crow, the Melonheads decided to inhabit the forests of Crybaby Bridge. To survive, they feast on any animals that can be hunted down. Because of their paranoia of society, the Melonheads kill and cannibalise anyone that sees them. To keep the cult going, they have kept inbreeding, making their offspring even more raving and paranoid. The Melonheads of Michigan are said to reside around Felt Mansion, although they have been reportedly seen in southern forested areas of Ottawa County. According to one story, they were originally children with hydrocephalus who lived at the Junction Insane Asylum near Felt Mansion. The story goes that after enduring physical and emotional abuse, they became feral mutants and were released into the forest surrounding the asylum. The Allegan County Historical Society asserts that the asylum never existed, although it was at one point a prison. The legend says that the children devised a plan to escape the asylum and kill the doctor that abused them. It is said that the children had no place to hide the body, so they cut it up into small pieces which they hid around the mansion. Rumours exist that teenagers who had broken into the mansion saw ghosts of the children and claimed to see the shadows of the killing of the doctor through the light coming from an open door. The legend has spread throughout the region, even becoming the subject of a 2011 film simply titled The Melonheads. Finally, in Connecticut, there are several variations of the Melonhead myth that can be found around Fairfield County. Most instances can be found in Trumbull, Shelton, Stratford and Monroe, but other instances can be found in Seymour, Easton, Weston, Oxford, Milford and Southbury. There are two primary Connecticut variations. In the first variation, Fairfield County was the location of an asylum for the criminally insane that burnt down in the fall of 1960, resulting in the death of all of the staff and most of the patients, with 10 to 20 inmates unaccounted for, supposedly having survived and escaped to the woods. The legend states that the Melonhead's appearance is due to the result of them having resorted to cannibalism in order to survive the harsh winters and inbreeding, which in turn caused them to develop hydrocephalus. The second variation, the Melonheads are the descendants of a colonial era family 
from Shelton Trumbull, who were banished after accusations of witchcraft were made against them, causing them to retreat into the woods. As with the first legend, this variation attributes the appearance of the Melonheads to inbreeding. The Monkey Man of New Delhi The Monkey Man of New Delhi was an ape-like creature that terrorised the capital city of New Delhi, India in 2001. In May of that year, stories began to circulate in New Delhi of a strange nocturnal monkey-like creature that was attacking people. Eyewitness accounts were often inconsistent, but tended to describe the creature as about four feet tall, covered in thick black hair. It also supposedly wore a metal helmet, had metal claws, pants, glowing red eyes, sometimes beneath goggles, and three buttons on its chest. Some suggest that the Monkey Man is an avatar of the Hindu deity Hanuman, while others claim it is a smaller version of Bigfoot. Many people reported being scratched, and two to three people even died when they leapt from the tops of buildings or fell down stairwells in the panic caused by the Monkey Man. Eventually, police even issued artistic impressions in an attempt to catch the creature. Shining a bright light in the Monkey Man's face was said to ward him off, as it rendered his night vision goggles ineffective. It was also thought that throwing water on the simian's chest would short-circuit his motherboard heart. In similar fashion, it was believed that the creature could turn invisible with the press of one of the buttons on his panel. These theories portray the Monkey Man as something more mechanical than natural. On May 13, 2001, 15 people suffered injuries, ranging from bruises to bites and scratches. On the 15th of May, a pregnant woman fell down some stairs after fleeing after neighbours shouted that they had seen the Monkey Man. A four-foot-tall, wandering Hindu sadhu was beaten up by an angry mob, who mistook him for the Monkey Man. On the 18th of May, a van driver was set upon and sustained multiple fractures in another case of mistaken identity. Further sightings were reported in Kanpur in February 2002 and New Delhi again in July 2002, the latter describing a monkey-like machine that sparkled red and blue lights. One anonymous witness even claimed the Monkey Man had stolen his cell phone. The whole Monkey Man saga is believed today to be the product of mass hysteria. Or is it? Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to today's video. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to leave a like or even a super like if you're feeling really generous. Also, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel, making sure to hit that notification bell so that you never miss a video. Also, if there's a particular type of cryptid you'd like me to research and put into one of these videos, make sure to let me know in the comments section. So, until next time, sleep tight. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.